Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What do you feel like you would do if your friend told you they bought a ring a week after they started dating somebody? (laughs) Everyone, wave your red flag with us. and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. I'm Angela Giratana. Pew, pew, pew. We should just get this out there. Angela and I are recording this on election day. If anything ever seems a little off or we seem to be talking a little fast or seem, dare I say, a little bit drunk, (laughs) it might be because we are. This is just how we had to record this day. Of course, it is early in the day. We have voted. We have gotten out the vote. And now we're just doing this to give ourselves a couple hours to think about Jim and Pam before we have to think about the rest of the world. (laughs) Yes, we can just escape into the world of Jim and Pam. And, you know, hopefully that's what this episode can be for you all, too, because we're in kind of the honeymoon stage of Jim and Pam. They are finally together. This episode is all about kind of their relationship bliss. We're starting at Fun Run, top of season four, where we find out they're together. That's a that's a classic rewatch episode for me. Same. It's a classic. And then going through to their wedding, Niagara part one and part two. <sighs> yeah, so good. Usually episode three in a talking ship season is the episode where we talk about kind of the problems within a relationship and the way that they move through them and grow. Because usually when couples, you know, are having their build up. It's cute and flirty and bantery and the idea of the relationship is so great that everything's fine and then you get together and you have to work through problems. But Jim and Pam actually kind of have an opposite timeline in that they had all these things that they worked through so that they could get together. And then once they get together, everything is uh, pretty blissful seeming and pretty easy. Maybe maybe a metaphor for our upcoming year. Oh, let's hope. Let's hope that 2020 is like season three, Jim and Pam. We worked really hard for it. And now once Biden takes that stage, we're at the fun run. Oh, okay. So this is, you know, the honeymoon phase of Jim and Pam. Everything's going great. However, we are going to point out, you know, some red flags uh, that went ignored because as we all know, season nine, some issues do come up. Um, But before we really dive into the honeymoon phase, we're going to go into relatable content. I went bold and went with you. I loved it. It was perfect. The ensemble sounded great. So congratulations, you may be in a Jim and Pam relationship if you're finally with the person that there was a ton of buildup to. Congrats, you did it. Congratulations. You walked on fire. You You had an art show. You may be in a Jim and Pam relationship if you feel like everything was worth it. Mm -hmm. All that all that anguish was like because I will say there are a lot of chases where things aren't worth it at the end. And this is a this is a good feeling. It was worth it. Like you're yeah. together now. You may be in a Jim and Pam relationship if you have a lot of eyes on your new relationship. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about your new relationship. A lot of people are watching. So you kind of have to go out of your way to maintain a little bit of privacy and a little bit of intimacy. That's a really good one. Also, because you may be in a Jim and Pam relationship when now because the chase involved a lot of people. It feels like you're you're a little performative, maybe, mm. because it did work out and now everyone had a say in it. I mean, the relationship you saw me get into, like yeah. a lot of people were like rooting for it. And then once it happened, there was there was a little parading. Yeah. <laughs> like when Pam's like, oh, my God, Toby, is this your fun way of congratulating us? You want the shippers to know. You might be in a Jim and Pam relationship if it feels like things are moving very quickly, yet it feels oddly natural. Because really, if you look at their timeline, they get together at the beginning of season four and they are engaged at the beginning of season five. And the way the office is kind of set up, we're kind of led to believe every season is a year. So they're engaged within a year. Mm -hmm. No, it's huge. And I mean, even in prep for this, I remember looking at like what episodes to watch, rewatch. And I remember thinking like, oh, my God, I have so much more to watch because I have to get to their wedding. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, wait, it's just that. I was at the fun run and I was like, wow, I have a lot of seasons to get through to get to the wedding. 
Nope. <laughs> nope. And then, you know, they have they're pregnant before the wedding, even getting together engagement baby wedding happens within two years. Yeah. Huge, huge. Because, I mean, it's also like you may be in a Jim and Pam relationship if I don't know if this is covered, but in my imagination, you just start hanging out like bunny rabbits. You just can't stop fucking because, yep. listen, Jim and Pam have been fucking of the mind for a long time, but never with their bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got to get to work. I was wondering about this, though. Like, do you think they have a crazy sex life? No, I don't. But I do <laughs> think, um, similar to the kiss, it's it's so meant to be that they're, like, grabbing each other. Yeah. So I don't know if they're, like, kinky per se, <laughs> but I will say that I think there is, like, a, we should have done this a long time ago. There's got to be, right? Yeah. Like, you would hope, for, I hope for them that there was. You might be in a Jim and Pam relationship if things in your personal life or career shift and now your relationship has to come along for the ride. So now it's like, how am I going to bring my relationship to these big career moves? Yeah, it's huge. And I'd also say like with the wedding on my mind, because I just watched that one. Suddenly it's so funny that there's so much of their lives, their intimate lives that are happened before the office that they get to like hurry and recognize with his brothers Mm. like all of those relationships in a real world if somebody was pining after somebody then they finally get together and the marriage just happens really fast I mean everyone's always freaked out and I would imagine anybody that wasn't in the office thinks that they're rushing it Um, oh I yeah I consider doing a segment of this show and maybe we'll do it with the last episode called call your girlfriend and it's as if Pam had real girlfriends real girlfriends to be like Pam, you have been with this guy (laughs) for less than a year. You've truly never fought with him. What are you doing? Oh my God. You know, okay, my pitch. It should be, I've been drinking. It should be called a pink flag. So instead of a red flag, it's like pink, go find your friends, drink some pink rosé. You need to talk to someone. Yes. You need to talk to someone. We've been saying that about Pam this whole time. Oh, And I will continue to say it because, you know, if we're doing this podcast for the reason of relating to a character and trying to learn from their mistakes, a big one is that Pam lets a lot of things go unsaid. And a lot of it is because of my final relatable content piece, which is you may be in a Jim and Pam relationship if your relationship becomes the dominant thing in your life. They put this relationship above anything else, above their friends, above their career. It has become the most important thing to them. And like, no judgment. Some people live that way. But I think that, you know, we could all have used some pink flagging when your relationship becomes that. You ignore your rosé girls when when your relationship is number one. Here's the thing. Ready? Go with me here. On ships, they hang flags, right? Yes. There's like a pirate mm-hmm. flag and like a red yes. flag. And this ship has a pink flag. Pink flags. <laughs> Yeah. Pam made a couple drawings. That was really great. Listen, I love the art show. But now she's like on to bigger and better things, I think. And that in her brain is a lot of things, but also babies. So, Also babies. But at the same time, I'm like, is it? Is that all she really wanted? Or is it was like, well, this is happening. And I guess this is what you're supposed to do. And not that I think she really does love her kids. And I think they're great parents. But I kind of feel like she doesn't take a moment to assess what's happening the relationship and the momentum of the relationship kind of just takes over oh that's a great way to put it but let's talk about you know the thing that we love when we're in it and absolutely cannot stand when we're watching it from the outside and that is someone's honeymoon phase (laughs) choo-choo this ship's on a honeymoon. So Jim and Pam, when they get together and from fun run through, I feel like the whole fourth season, they are so cutesy that, I mean, in some moments I want to cry with happiness and in some moments I want to vomit. I think that's pretty standard for watching someone's honeymoon phase. So it's like everything from like, you know, subtle PDA at work to like flirty banter to just constantly smiling. But is there a moment for you that best kind of tells the story of this is what a honeymoon phase feels like and looks like that you had a visceral like yes that's what it is moment. yes oh, um, tell me in the first episode in fun run when it's like i remember having this visceral thought where she and him are holding hands 
outside. It's fucking hot. They're on a run, (laughs) but they're walking. And it's like at the end of the walk or whatever, the end of the run and they're holding hands. And I'm like, I can't even, that to me is just so honeymoon phase where it's like, yes. You guys have been holding hands for a really long time. Also, I'm such a, I'm such a weirdo about holding hands because I never think it's cute. But some people, it's so important to them. I know. And I think it's also been a problem in every relationship or hookup I've ever had. Because for some reason, I'm like, those aren't the love languages. Like, okay, touch, yeah, hugs, kisses, and intimate time. Holding hands. I want to walk. Like I want to move my hands. I have to keep hands straight. I think it's just so stupid. It's like, I'm not going to show love for you that way. I'll kiss you. I'll hug you. I'll like touch your back or whatever, but I'm not going to fucking hold your hand while we're two moving objects. So that, that is like a personal thing for me too. So when they were holding hands in the fun run, I was like, okay, they're definitely just happy to be together. Yeah. Because they've been holding it for miles. They've been, they truly walked three miles holding hands. My friend and I growing up invented the bases of hand holding. Ooh, okay. So like fingers together, like yeah. almost like crabs, palms, palms class. That's yes. base one. Uh-huh. Interlocked fingers is base is two. base two. Is base two. And the most intimate base was just like holding someone's pinky, just like a little <laughs> <laughs> That's the most intimate. And one day with your husband, you'll be able to lock pinkies. But like Jim's holding the lamp in one hand and holding (laughs) Pam in the other hand. This is not convenient. What about you? Did you have a moment? It's the moment where they end up on the roof, which is obviously like a reprise of an earlier moment with them. And they have the conversation of this is when I knew I liked you. Oh, my (laughs) God. Like classic early relationship thing. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And to revisit. I forgot to revisit all the moments oh yeah revisit awkward things revisit bad things even like random things my boyfriend and I still to this day like revisit weird miscommunications we had and we think it's Mm -hmm. like adorable Mm -hmm. right because you're like well I liked you that's why I did that and this is why I feel like honeymoon phases can be so strong for some people and kind of not happen for for others because it really does feel like the endorphin rush of sharing secrets now all the walls are down you finally get to express everything that you've been feeling you get to share all your secrets and for some people when a relationship starts it is that it is the walls coming down and now we can be as affectionate as we want and as giddy and lovey as we want and some relationships that doesn't happen in the beginning people still have their walls out they're still figuring it out but I think if it's even on both sides walls are all down we're talking about all the shared moments we're giggling we're laughing that is how the honeymoon phase happens I wonder if didn't have Pam uh, single, like we were talking about last episode, if the honeymoon phase would be like a little less honeymoony. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah, sure. There is more of like a, like, let's celebrate what we've finally worked towards a right. little bit. Yeah. Right, right. Do you feel like there's any downsides of like a huge, big, strong honeymoon phase? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think it's like a pretty pretty visceral thing that I think actually would get in the way of my honeymoon phase. I remember the only honeymoon phase I've ever had with my boyfriend. I remember just like dragging my feet because you watch so many stereotypical honeymoon phases crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just being like, I will not be emotionally manipulated by how amazing this moment is. <laughs> um, because I was so scared that for some reason it would blind me. It's like another mm-hmm. level of with crushes where it's like such an emotional state that you don't want to lose your brain a little bit and I am very heart first not head so yeah I think there is a negative yeah I think it's that too fear of of the crash and how that can get in your head and I also think if it if it's as dominant as say like Pam and Jim's is it really can take over your life and take over your other relationships Pam and Jim don't seem to really have other friends outside of the office. But if they did, you know, they would be that couple that now that they're together, they never see their other friends. Gosh, that is such a hard. I even like have chills just hearing you say that. And I realize it's like actually a trigger for me. I think um, when somebody and I have to be nice, I have to be good about it because I think it's like a cardinal sin to turn your back on your friends. It's just I, I just dislike it so much. I dislike it so much to the point where my boyfriend sometimes feels pushed to the side because I am so worried about being that person that drops mm-hmm. everything that mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to I have 
to maintain the closeness with all of my relationships. Good thing Pam doesn't have any friends. Yeah. And then these people show up at the wedding. I'm like, who the fuck is Isabel? Like, where did Anna Camp come from? Why are these people here? Where were you the four years while she was trying to, like, get together with this man? Yeah, I, I think that everyone who had a friend do that to them, at, especially at an early age in high school or college or like early 20s is super conscious of it because we don't want to be that girl or that guy or that couple. All right. So let's talk about when Jim and Pam do get together, they choose to keep the relationship a secret from everybody else in the office, as we've spoken to a bit already. But here's the thing is generally, I would say, if someone is insisting on keeping your relationship a secret, don't you feel like it's usually a sketchy motive? But I actually feel sometimes it is appropriate to keep it secret at first. And I think Jim and Pam fall in that kind of rare category. So when do you feel like it's appropriate to keep a relationship hush-hush at the beginning? Here's where I become the perfect guest right now. Oh, tell I me. have been the one that goes, I want to lay low about this. Yes. Talk about it. Tell tell us why. I can't believe I just labeled myself a perfect guest. I am drinking. <laughs> so just the last couple relationships I had were community-based and mm-hmm. lots of mutual friends. But I'm also like, I'm naturally a private person. I, I don't like when people know my business, especially when I don't know my business. The last like three relationships, just me being like, hey, like, I'd like to lay low a little bit. I'm going to have to lie. I think each time I just boldly was like, this is how I want to do it because I'm nervous. And it is me acting out of fear. And it is me putting my fear onto somebody else. But I wouldn't want them to think that was a red flag. It's literally just me being a little scared. Maybe that is a red flag. I don't know. Um, No, I don't think that's a red flag. I think the time where it's really important to keep it hush hush at the beginning is when you're in a shared community. I don't know. I just feel like you can tell the difference when someone's like trying to keep you a secret. If someone's lying about you, about being with you, like that's terrible. I think it's so important to figure out a relationship between the two of you before you present it to a shared community for the same reason that I think, you know, it takes us a while usually to introduce a person we're dating to our friends because I think it's almost impossible for us not to be influenced by what our friends think. We want them to like the person. We want them to like the relationship. And when a community knows both sides, when they know both of you, they're going to have twice the amount of opinions about the relationship. So I think you need to be able to know yourself and know the relationship well enough so that by the time you do hear those opinions, you can hear them and not let them affect you more than you should. Otherwise, I think the whole start of your relationship is affected by other people's opinions. Oh my God. It's why Broadway shows have previews. Previews. Yes. You need a soft open of an invited dress (laughs) of your relationship. This is very different too, because this is like two people dating like in a circus. It's not like Michael's going to actually get in the way of them. He's just going to like make it messy. Yeah. You know what? what? Honestly, I'm thinking about the wedding and I'm like, it's like that. It's that a bunch of people are going to like make it not about them and get in their Mm -hmm. business and they want it to Mm -hmm. be sacred. They want to like get married under the Niagara Falls. That's what it is. It's like, we don't care about Dwight getting in the middle of it. Like I'm worried about women getting in the middle of my community relationships and talking to me about my boyfriend. This is actually just like, they don't want like clowns. If you're starting to date someone and you know that you would get some commentary maybe not quite to that level but that you would get some commentary I think it's so valid to like keep the relationship as you were saying sacred for a while so it's interesting I feel like some couples meet each other when they're already at this pretty steady place in their career with their goals with their self-actualization they've done a lot as you said uh they've done their auto drama they know who they are and then someone comes into your life and you're like wow i've done so much work on me and now you're here and we're going to be together but i think jim and pam kind of have the opposite timeline where they find each other they've done some work on themselves but essentially they find each other decide to be together And then they're like, oh, yeah, the rest of our lives, we should figure that out. I mean, do you have any takes on kind of that order of relationship and then personal growth and then career? Would that order work for you? And do you think it at all all hinders Jim and Pam? I ask because for me, 
I have always been of the opinion that I want to figure out my own shit before I bring someone else into my life. Like even when I was with Warby Parker, which was a very, you know, serious relationship, and we did discuss, you know, getting married. For me, it was always like, well, I don't want to get engaged until we're both in a solid place with our careers, because I would never want to be in a position where one of us had to sacrifice a career move for the other. So for me, this order wouldn't work. I have been at weddings or seen people I know who mar- get married pretty young. Though that being said, in my mind, anything younger than 28, I think you're a child bride. <laughs> but even people who get married, you know, 22 to 24, I just think it's a different approach, which is whatever happens, you are my person. You're the person I'm going to go through this with. I'm going to weather this storm with you. And there is something kind of beautiful about that. I just think that I personally want to know that I can weather a few storms by myself, you know, like find find a nice pair of galoshes, a statement, <laughs> like vibrant raincoat and be like, I can do this on my own. It'd be nice to have somebody to do it with now. Now that I know I can do it with a cute rain look. Oh. Now I'll do it with you. Gorgeous. And here again is where I become the perfect guest. Because, yes, I agree. I think I've been that way since I was a little toddler, being mm-hmm. like, I think I came out of the fucking womb, and I was like, I want a career before I find a person. <laughs> They're like, she's a genius. She can talk. And I'm like, before I go back to babyland, I have to say my emotional boundary with weddings and career. Goodbye. It's a crazy story my parents tell all the time. But I will say, I've always thought that, and I've always wanted mm-hmm. that, and I still want that. Part of me is like... You've had this thought process. You've had that for a really long time that now I'm starting to question, like, am I just doing that? Because I have a friend who should, in my opinion, settle down. But they both were like, we're just not where we're at career-wise. And of course, I don't, I can't say that I think they should actually get married because I'm not in the relationship. It's just different for each couple, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the couple and I'm like, that just sounds like you're like dreaming a little bit. Does that make sense? For me, I'm like, no, but actually though, I don't even make enough money to like have a dog. I want to be able to have enough money to have like a dog and then like have a person and be able Mm -hmm. to like build life. So I agree with that. But then part of me is like, am I just saying that? Go with me. Am I just saying that because I'm not where I'm at career-wise or I'm not where I'm at relationship-wise? Yeah. Is this not my person because I don't feel like my job is here yet and I want this full, full package? But as I'm saying it, I'm like, no, I actually just like want a good, I want to be ready. Yeah. Well, I think it's really valid. You're right. I think sometimes we do use it as a defense mechanism or as an excuse of like, well, I couldn't possibly get married because I want this, this, and this, or even I always thought I would have this, this, and this. That's the one I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure that my like plan (laughs) will be completely dismantled. I don't know. I don't know that I'll be a series regular before I get married. And like, that's fine. I think that what I'm talking about is that specific is like, because I'm having the same one where I'm like, maybe I just have to figure out what specific I'm thinking about that one goal. Mm -hmm. You just said the SR word. It's like very (laughs) triggering. And it's like, yeah, I think for some reason I gave myself that or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And figuring out that I should still be open to love and life changes. But if I'm open to marriage, I don't know yet until you're right. It's a career thing. I think it gets to a point where like at least if your person knows what your career goals are, maybe we don't know exactly what it looks like yet. Maybe we don't know the whole combination of what your career looks like. But with Jim and Pam, it's kind of like they don't even really know what they want. And I think that's the difference. Like I think at least if your person is like, I know you don't totally have it figured out yet, but I know the path you want to go on and I know the path I want to go on and those paths, I think we will be able to work it out. Then I think I would even be okay with that. I don't think that I would be okay with getting engaged where they're at. It just doesn't feel like either of them, and this will be a thing that I come back to again and again and again. I don't think that these people have a conversation about what they want out of their lives outside of being in love with each other. Yes. And that's the difference. Like, and that's why I freaked out when you said that specific series, regular thing, like, <laughs> whether or not it's that, it's just like being specific about what you want. And they don't have that. 
which isn't bad. It's kind of normal Americans for them to just be like, okay, this is where we go now. We get married. Mm -hmm. I think, though, that the relationship does kind of in different ways motivate them career-wise. And so let's start with Jim. Jim, for instance, starts to take his job a lot more seriously when he gets together with Pam. All of a sudden, he wants to make more money. He pushes to become a manager. And I think Jim's changes are motivated because of the relationship, because they're not motivated by his love of paper. So kind of what do we think of a relationship being the motivator in someone's career path? I'm of two minds. Part of me is like, Jim did need to grow up a little bit. He at this point by season four, I feel like we maybe believe that he is about 28. Like imagine if we knew a 28 year old. I mean, I'm sure we do, but like who's coasting at their job, pulling pranks, has no general like direction of what they want. I think that would really drive us crazy. So in some ways, I'm like glad that she motivated him to take things a little bit more seriously. But I also think the downside, and I think this is something that we can see in our non-fictional lives is I also seen this have some negative manifestations where someone will start to get really anxious about the financial state of their career or their career success when they get yeah. closer and closer to marriage because they want to be enough. And unfortunately, even though we're in 2020, I think this really does fall down some like gender stereotypes of men wanting to make sure that they can provide for women in heterosexual relationships. Unfortunately, I think that still happens. You could argue that this is like a little bit what Jim is doing. He doesn't want to stay in paper. He's like, oh, I need to make money so that I can buy a house for Pam, et cetera, et cetera. It's also a thing I think we see a lot with men um, Mm -hmm. because of the double standard where they have to like take care of women, like the old fashioned bullshit. But then also I think it's like this weird boy to man thing where boy like you mentioned the prank thing i can think of so many dudes that are my friends or friends from college that like would settle down their mania when they started dating just little shifts in their personality i don't know it's a tricky subject it's really tricky yeah and but you're right i think in some ways it is great in the way that a relationship can make someone grow up and step up to the plate you know so much of the conversations that I tend to have on this podcast are this combination of like balancing independence and self-fulfillment and self-actualization with actual power of love like you gotta have a little bit of both I want to do so many things on myself but you can't discredit love and I think that's one thing that like love can do is it can make you want to step it up a bit yeah I think it's just the nature of switching your life view from living as one person to living multiple people. Like now we're living together. We're going to sharpen each other, hopefully. Well, and I feel like this, I think it it moves us nicely into Pam because I think you're right. In some ways, I don't necessarily think of them as people who challenge each other, but I do feel like because they have such a solid foundation of how much they just dig each other, I think it allows them to the platform the the um the solid deck the uh the smooth what do you say it when it's like you're on a boat yeah like a good like a like a good tide glassy waters smooth sailing <laughs> it's from glassy like, waters that's what it is glassy, <laughs> glassy waters. waters they have some nice glassy waters <laughs> that provide a like solid deck to grow from because they're just like no matter what this person's going to be super into me so i think that gives jim this inspiration to start to take himself a little bit more seriously but i think for pam we're going to kind of talk about art show and her becoming a salesperson but even just in her day-to-day behavior there's something to be said for the fact that Pam continues to come out of her shell while in the relationship we see her become funnier even in her talking heads she's making more jokes and she becomes more confident and more direct with Michael and more direct with people in the office she starts taking charge of things in the office and she doesn't become the like side-eyed looking sad sad girl in her cardigans anymore she really does take control of her life it's not I don't want to credit all to the relationship but for Pam who doesn't have a lot of experience being independent I think part of the reason she is able to do it is because of the comfort and the safety this relationship has provided so she now gets to take more risks I personally this is a little bit of a pink flag for me because I a little bit wish 
she had done this on her own without the safety of a relationship. But I, I think there's tons of non-fictional people out there that a relationship provided them with so much security that they were able to become more confident and forthright as exactly. an individual. Jim was probably eating like uh, lean cuisines for dinner. <laughs> yes. And like probably stepped it up being like, okay, I have to cook like more than once a month because like yes. now I'm like, but it's what you're saying. And then also it's like this weird thing that I was, I might've made up in my head, but I was thinking this social confidence that I think goes along with maybe having really solid relationships or like alliances in a community, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It feels like she can go bolder into spaces because she knows somebody has her back. Also, another thing that's unfortunate, but a lot of people will feel like they don't need to prove themselves once they're in a relationship because they are, i.e. lovable or acceptable by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of what I do with female f- friendships. If I can like nail in a female friendship, I feel more secure oh, in that environment. At least somebody has my back or at least yeah. that person can vouch for my humor. So if I make a bad joke, it's fine. So then they're like mm-hmm. more bold. So I did, I did pick up on the fact that like, she's a lot more confident. And I think it's just because she's shipped. Yeah. And- I don't know if that's a red flag or not for people. There are a lot of people that feel more fearless when they do things when they're in a relationship. In a relationship. Yeah. It feels to me that Jim is the predominant reason why she is able to be so confident. Yeah. And so later on, which this is more of a discussion for next episode, when she feels that she is going to lose him or when she feels him pulling away or even him just getting slightly more independent. It rocks the boat too much for her and she loses her mind and she can't handle it because she really can't handle being alone. That also might be somebody that's coming out of an abusive relationship. True. That's true. It it might just be like the whiplash of someone that dates Roy's. Yeah. Right. And suddenly you have someone like Jim in your life. That's very true. That could be part of it. So maybe I'll give her a little more slack. But I will say, let's talk about her going to art school because that is a huge change for Pam. I know we're talking about this like this real relationships, but I think in the writer's room, they must have been like, it's too happy. We need some friction. Yeah, we got to give them a challenge. And I'm glad they had a challenge because all relationships (laughs) need to go through a little challenge. But let's talk about how do we feel Jim did as a partner supporting his partner exploring a new career opportunity or development opportunity at all? Do we feel like Jim provides a healthy framework of how to support your partner who's trying to do something new for them? Guess who just got into the Pratt School of Design? No way. What did I say? I said that they love those sketches. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I don't know why I doubted it because I'm so clearly awesome. So, you know, it means I have to go to New York for three months. It's not a big deal. I'll come visit you. And you'll visit me. It's only two hours away. It'll be fine. That part's going to suck, but it'll be great. Yeah, it sucks, but it'll be great. See how easy that is? I truly do feel like that's such a great way to look at these opportunities for someone you love. It's like, yeah, it'll be hard to be apart from you. It'll be hard to see you less or whatever the obstacle is. But I think it's so important that Jim supports it so wholeheartedly. And I I just kind of think that when your partner has the opportunity to accomplish a huge life goal, I truly feel like 99% of the time, your response should be like a huge emphatic fuck yes. And I think if you're in a relationship where you're questioning if that person would give you a fuck yes, I think that's something to look at because I don't know that she would even consider going to art school if she didn't feel so good about Jim. And she even says, if things weren't so solid with Jim, I wouldn't do it. And I think that that's kudos to him in the, in the security he's provided to be like, we're going to be fine. So you need to do the most important thing to do. And I think that's an important thing that we should look to do as yes. partners in any relationship. No, that's for sure it. And also it's the, um, it's the yes. And it's the, mm-hmm. I love what you said. It's the support And it's also the acknowledgement. And it's almost even the order that you said it in. It's the acknowledgement that it will be hard, leaving on the note that it will, though, be awesome. And I think the wrong balance of that might mess it up. Because I do know that there are couples where somebody, like, moves or something or somebody gets a job 
And the person's so happy and so wanting to be the supportive one mm-hmm. that they are in denial that it will be hard or they're yes. not talking about that. And then it's wrong. I think it's like literally an actual combination. Being present enough to know that I will acknowledge the fact that this will be hard on me, but I'm not going to get in the way of it. And it takes emotional intelligence on both of them for her not to be offended when he says it's going to be hard and for him to be able to say it and know that she's not going to take his emotions as fact. You know what I mean? And I think that's a thing that I struggle with where it's like hearing an emotion coming from a partner and not letting it influence your um, logic. This reminds me of something that came up recently when I was talking to someone about their relationship. My friend was going out of town for like a very good reason, a very big personal reason. And their relationship was basically mostly focusing on the fact that they were going to be gone. And it was like, "Mm, you're abandoning me instead of being like, you need to go. This is an important once in a lifetime thing for you. You need to go. So I think that that balances too of like acknowledging that it's going to be hard, but the dominant thing needs to be like, but it's going to be great. Exactly. And I... I recently had this go down. We had some family stuff and we had to get on a plane and go over to Florida. And that would cause my brother to leave his girlfriend and then also leave his girlfriend when he comes back and he quarantines, right? I remember being like, it's important that she support you on this, Mm -hmm. but it's her job to make it so you feel supported to go. And emotions of on all ends are like obstacles in this. You shouldn't be sad when she supports you in leaving and you shouldn't be sad um, when she's like, yeah, take all the time you want. As your family, I need that from her. I need your significant other to be supportive of you doing other life things that aren't around her. Right. And that to me shows more strength in love than being temporarily upset that you don't get to see this person every day because that's real love. It's also a love language that um, I always talk to my friends about this because I don't usually get along with people whose love language is time Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. like if they think I'm not in their life because they don't see me, um, it's hard for me to keep up with them because I mean, I I grew up in a household where my parents were constantly traveling. So I learned, oh, if somebody's not here, it doesn't mean they don't love me. I think this is a good out of honeymoon phase obstacle for Jim and Pam. Yeah, I think it definitely deepens their relationship because I'm just now thinking about this because you brought it up. I have I cannot think of another couple like in television history whose love language is more clearly quality time than Jim and Pam. They literally spend 24 hours a day together. And it's interesting to me that this goes so well. But when Jim goes to Philly, it doesn't go so well. And that's partially like they have kids at that time and whatever. I I just think that all relationships at some point before you lock it down, I think some every relationship needs to go through some sort of challenge. But I do think it's interesting that, (laughs) again, quality time, it's her being gone that gives him the impetus to propose, to want to lock it down. But also you could say that it gave him the foresight to know that like, I can do this when you're not here. I'm I'm in this for the long haul. It's his brain going, oh, she doesn't live right here. She lives like everywhere for me now. Mm. Oh, that was lovely. That's what happens when I drink. Let's talk about the proposal. Just starting with our general takes on this, this gas station in the rain proposal um, meeting halfway halfway in between literally meeting halfway to what we spent a lot of last episode talking about with Karen and Jim couldn't meet halfway and Jim and Pam literally do halfway yeah I feel like I would want something that's somewhat planned you hate it just say it you hate it okay it's grown on me because I didn't always love it. I kind of originally was like, really, that's it? Like, that's how we're going to do it? And it's funny to me that in the show, they make fun of it later. She's like, it was so romantic. And they're like, you were at a gas station. They kind of roast it. But there is something romantic about the impulse of, I can't go one more day on this earth without being engaged to you. I've obviously never had that impulse. But I have had the impulse of, I can't go one more day on this earth without you knowing that I'm in love with you. And, and that being the reason why I told someone I loved them. Yes. That's an incredibly romantic, I think, feeling. And in some ways, Jim does so many grand gestures that maybe it was better that this one was just this like simple, I just had to do it kind of yeah. working off of his impulses moment. I don't know. What do you think? 
No, I agree. I think that it's like a gesture that's so motivated by the just want to do it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Because some low-key proposals are just like meant, to, like, you know, like those proposals where it's like, we were cooking dinner and I turned around and it was like any other Tuesday. Like, okay, that's meant to be low-key. And then there's ones that are meant to be high-key. And this wasn't either of that. That was just somebody that like actually was like dying to marry somebody. Yeah. So that's what I did like about it. I wouldn't like if it was like a planned this. But this is actually somebody that was blinded to creativity by just wanting to do this so badly. Yeah. And I can get behind that. What do you feel like you would do if your friend told you they bought a ring a week after they started dating somebody? Would you think it was sweet? Would you think it was crazy? What would you say? Okay, we're waving all of our flags. The, the red one, flag. the pink one, the orange ones. <laughs> Everyone, wave your red flag red with flag. us. Oh, Get the scattered stones in here. We're, we're singing waving flag. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you and the um, delivery of what you said. I think... Only an extremely cute person like John Krasinski could do that. And then me go, oh, anybody else? I'm like, you're Ted Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) So much of this show, I'm like, is this sweet? Because John Krasinski is pulling it off and it's so charming. Or is this crazy? But I think if one of my friends did this, I would be like, you are unstable. This (laughs) is not healthy this is not a normal thing to do and again this is like the danger of like riding the high of your honeymoon phase where you feel like you're in the romantic comedy especially if you're the the gym and you're like oh I finally got the girl but you have no idea if this relationship is really gonna work out and and then the other thing I think the risk you run is when you've like created this big romantic comedy in your head, they get together and the relationship is good. But what if you get together and the relationship, you know, you date for more than a fucking week and the relationship is not all that you thought it was, but you've already bought the ring and convinced yourself this is the relationship. This is the person I end up with. I think you will blind yourself to a lot of the 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 red flags, the pink reds, the white flags, the scatter tones stomping on all the Springsteen stage flags. to yeah. waving flags. Because <laughs> this is a joke for four people. I know. I love it though. But and also I'd say it's not only the that's not just one way to blind yourself. It's another way to blind yourself to be like, okay, the relationship's not that great. And this is what I see a a lot more is that people are doing ritualistic things that no matter what, buying a ring is like an exciting and happy inducing thing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you could do that and like be put in a bad place unless it's like a really wrong relationship. But what I'm trying to say is like doing things that are really like romantic inherently can blow so much romantic smoke up something that maybe isn't there. Does that make sense? Yes. Doing stuff and it feels so good because of what it is, not because of who it's with or who it's for. To be fair, I was hating on this whole thing. Here's my argument. I think every time that I have had significant feelings for somebody, I felt something the moment I saw them. Sorry to say it, they weren't all like particularly hot. But just for every single person that I've had feelings for, I think sometimes think that love and attraction can feel like a sixth sense. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, my cousin recently, she is a year younger than me and um, met somebody that was a little bit older, but they literally were both overwhelmed with the feeling that this was their person so much that they even said it out loud and I was like that's so inappropriate but actually it's not inappropriate for the 0.2 percent of times that it could happen in my opinion and that's why I'm like maybe we have to stop telling the stories of that because it's perpetually telling people to look for that but I do believe they're out there I do believe they're out there. I don't think that that is the only way that you know that someone is your person. And I see what you're saying in that that is the exception to the rule. I think the rule is it takes time to realize that you're going to be with this person forever. I think occasionally there must be somewhere. If I can have a moment of like, I feel like uh, there's something special about this person in, in like a sixth sense part of my body, there are probably people who have moments of like, I'm going to be with this person forever earlier than I would expect. 
Before we get to the wedding, I want to talk about a pretty famous Jim and Pam scene. And it's in season five, and it's where Pam's parents are going through their divorce. And Jim talks to Pam's dad. And then after talking to Jim, Pam's dad calls Pam's mom and wants to get his own apartment. And so they have this conversation where Pam's kind of like, what did he say to him? And when is he going to say it in our marriage? And she freaks out. And then we'll play the audio. But this is what Jim ends up actually saying. So what did he say? Was it my fault? Yeah. He said that you told him how much you love me. About how you feel when I walk in a room. And about how you've never doubted for a second that I'm the woman you want to spend the rest of your life with. I guess he's never felt that with my mom, even at their best. You okay? Yeah. When you're a kid, you assume your parents are soulmates. My kids are going to be right about that. I want to talk about this idea of soulmates because I don't know. What do you feel about soulmates? Do you believe in soulmates? Do you feel like it's healthy for couples to believe in soulmates? What's your What's your take? I think it's an unhealthy way to look at life, but a mm. beautiful way to look at storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm That's like, I way. love soulmates when it's not my friends. It's not people I know. It's just people in the movie. But I don't know. I'm like thinking about the story I just said about my cousin. And I'm like, that was her meant to be person. Yeah. So I recently, I and honestly, this is just coming from, you know, having this podcast and now having to look at several times where the word soulmates have has come up and what it means. And if I believe in it, in this idea that there's one person for everybody, because I don't necessarily believe in that. But so here's the epiphany I had in looking at Jim and Pam's relationship. And I think it, it hit for me because in some ways, I think everyone wants what they have because you want someone that loves you that much. But in other ways, I'm like, I would never want that kind of relationship. Like that kind of relationship would not work for me. And so here's my new theory is that I feel that the definition of soulmates changes couple to couple. Yes. I think it's very possible that part of finding your soulmate is finding someone who shares the same definition of what a soulmate is as you do. Because for me, what I would right now in my life, and November 3rd, 2020, Megan, I would need someone who can challenge me in, in the right ways and call me on my shit a little bit and maybe anticipate, now I'm just like creating a laundry list of um, my potential suitor, uh, like anticipate my needs a little bit and operate at the same speed that I do, but still give me my independence to shine. And that's not really what Pam and Jim need. Pam and Jim each need someone who quality time, as we said, who wants to spend quality time that they have the best time with, that they can spend every day, all day with and not get sick of them, who is into the same things as they want to do, wants to do the same things they want to do, no matter what else is going on in their life, and that they are an absolute unit in everything that they do. That is what they both want, because I think that's what they both want in a partner. They are soulmates. Yeah, I love that. They both would hold that definition of soulmates. And so I don't know. Do I think it's totally healthy? No. Would it work for me? No. But it doesn't matter because for them, that is what a soulmate is. And so I think it really just depends on what your definition of a soulmate is. That's great. You know what? As you were saying that, I was like, what I think is unhealthy is a single restrictive definition of what a soulmate is. Yes. I think it's unhealthy to think that there's uh, rules to something that's scary. It would be like us being like, you have a soul job, which means you worked your entire life for this one job. And this job is the job. Like that would fuck you up so bad. It would make Absolutely. you think that jobs were like preparing you for other jobs or you would be in jobs and you would be like, I feel good, but is this my forever? And you yeah. would like be so fucked. And you'd be like, there's no way for me to know unless this magical cosmic thing happens that tells me that this is the job. 
And it takes you out of the driver's seat and puts you fucking outside of the car on the road lying down. It like <laughs> doesn't give you any like active place besides making your own definition of what you want, which I yes. think is a great way. Which really you could look at it as just like having very clear expectations of a relationship <laughs> and hoping that someone else has the same like clear expectations of a relationship. That's so funny. A soulmate is someone with emotional intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who's like knows what they want and knows how to communicate it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that hard, everybody. So fuck us. Yeah. But I think that is good to know that it's really not that hard and not that cosmic. No. Great way to break it down. Great way. Thanks, 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 thanks. Um, I'll probably change my mind because I'll like see someone crossing the street who like glances at me and we're wearing the same like colored scarf and i'll be like that's my soulmate and and no one can shake my opinion on it that's who i'm gonna marry we were in the same circle scarf in bushwick and i was like that's my person my friend met their person quote-unquote person they were both in a grocery store line and they both were buying a box of lucky charms what i know i was talking to my friends about that that sounds like like a really bad written meet cute. That's like a pilot that doesn't get made meet cute. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have the box too? Oh, Lucky Charms. Yeah, I just, I love the rainbow marshmallows. Oh, really? I'm like a crunchy <laughs> other thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> We're going into the wedding. The Reb, Reb, Reb. Oh, I was thinking when that was playing, I was like, too bad that's fucking Chris Brown. I know. That's a perfect moment of television besides that. Besides that, that did not age well. But I think so much else about this wedding episode ages (laughs) well. Amazing. Because my thing about TV weddings is I think they're obviously they're about the couple, but I also think usually TV weddings are about the show's ensemble because everyone's together. Everyone gets a little moment. It should like exemplify the TV show. So while I am not pro flash mob, I think that the flash mob is perfect for this show. The show is so much about how the ridiculous characters in your life, while sometimes you hate them, make your life what it is. And so I think it's so appropriate that they have to watch all of these people in their life flash mob and just like have this little, again, I fucking moment while this is happening, but also quote unquote hate it, but like kind of love it because that's what their life is. Oh my God. Based off of what you just said, I'm going to say something so fucking corny and I can't wait to say it for my friends that'll listen and make fun of me. I think this was a perfect metaphor for life because it was like, wow, this room of people and things that they cannot change. I literally was watching this being like, wow, if only I could like stick up my, for myself in the moments and go to Niagara Falls when I need it and then come back to my life and then not be a control freak about other things because I need to care of myself some other ways. Niagara Falls. Yes. (laughs) They really checked with each other before the wedding. They were like, what do we want versus what does everybody want? And that's like this. That's so many television film weddings where it's just like we lost ourselves in the midst of all these other people. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Niagara moment because I think it's it's part of the reason the wedding like is so famous, I think, in TV culture. And I think so many people relate to the Niagara moment. And I think it's so perfect for Jim and Pam because I'm not a married person. But I do feel like, as you said, it's like kind of this colloquial knowledge of weddings is that. Sometimes I think the day of the wedding can feel not about you, but about the people around you having all of these, this community and this chance to like celebrate with everybody, which is like very, as you said, similar to Jim and Pam's entire life. They love these people, but they fell in love because they were able to find these shared private moments of connection in the midst of all the crazy around them. So I think it's perfect that they had this like little private moment in the midst of a very public chaotic wedding. And I do think it's like a really lovely idea if you're getting married is to kind of pre-plan a moment where you can be alone with your partner in the midst of everything. And I mean, maybe you don't make it a two hour detour that ruins your hair, but no, she goes back. It's all, they're both dry. Come on. Bullshit. No, you're right. Even like that, that ongoing bit of listeners, I'm taking emotional pic, uh, a mental picture of Megan right now. It's like having each other and like being like, okay, we have each other. This is about us. This is about us. 
And then that doesn't make you feel sad then when the song plays and then her friend's like, didn't you not want this to be played at all? And she's yeah. like, yeah, but now it's fine because now it's like, whatever. What right. the fuck ever. It's exactly. So cute. And then we get the whole cast up there dancing. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Okay, also, <laughs> question. Can I go up to any captain of a ship and ask yes. them to marry me? Yes, all captains of ships are ordained or whatever. No, ordained no yes, because on booze cruise too, not I, I swear to everyone, like not all of my knowledge comes from the office, but it's also a thing on booze cruise where that captain is like, I can marry you right now if you want as a captain of a yeah. ship. Wow. Yeah, good knowledge to have. You're going on a three-day cruise to Ensenada. That guy can marry you. You're taking the ferry to Catalina. I was just about to say, can you take the ferry to Catalina on a school trip and go, Captain? <laughs> You're like, I'm about to go get some taffy. But before I do, can you marry me? Also, I have to say, we're talking about the wedding. Oscar and Kevin's walk down the aisle was the best one out of all The, of the best it, one. I Oscar's like voguing. Literally, I was like, was his choice to be like... I know about gay culture. And then you see Kevin like kind of try to imitate it is what it seems like. But he's in the Kleenex shoes, the shoes. It's so good. It's so good. Can we talk about Jim's speech at the wedding? I actually loved him fucking up. Oh, it needed to happen because Jim's like so perfect through everything. I know. The thing that happened that needed to happen that I didn't know I needed. I absolutely loved it because yeah, it, it it's a really corny episode overall. Oh yeah. Um, everything so fucking perfectly. The captain just is perfectly dressed and it's perfectly worked out. <laughs> it's really just the captain for Angela. You're coming back to him. Just the fact that they like knocked on the door and he just came out. Yep. In the middle of the fountain, in the middle of the falls. Okay. Yeah, anyway. He's like, we could go over at any minute, but sure. I will. <laughs> one time I might need to be the captain. Yeah, but the whole thing is really sweet that he fucks up. Also, I love the way he fucks up where he, like, doesn't really remember that he did it, then he does do it. The speech is so good, too. The speech is so good. speech is so good. I want to talk about the idea of waiting because I the men on The Office were listening to a whole lot of Mumford and Sons because there is so much I will wait, I will wait for you (laughs) mentality on this show because Michael says the same thing about Holly. Dwight waits forever for Angela. And I I just want to talk about this idea of waiting because I guess I kind of feel the same way about waiting that I do about the like idea that Jim bought the ring, you know, one week into dating her because never in my non-fictional life have I seen somebody wait for somebody and it works out. And in some ways, as you said in our first episode, I think it's a little bit glamorized on television and it's this romantic thing that we're doing by waiting for someone when so often I think they might not want you to wait or you shouldn't wait because this person doesn't appreciate you. And I I think waiting being the correct thing to do is the exception to the rule generally. I'm into that. It literally made me think of how like non-consensual I guess it is on behalf of the relationship. Like, does that make sense? Like so many times where a guy, so many times, a couple times in my life where a guy was like, I'm just going to wait it out. And I'm like, I don't approve of that. Like you're putting that me that's a sacrifice that's going to be my sacrifice that somehow has to do responsibility on me I don't want that on my shoes I don't want that on my tail whatever the phrase is I don't want it you're right in saying that like this is a one percent of the time that it works out but here's my here's my kind of like romantic take on it I love what he says about for a long time all I had were these moments with this girl I had a crush on but the thing is Jim wasn't necessarily waiting he was enjoying his life and living his life and treasuring the moments with this person that he loved but jim didn't get pam by waiting jim got pam because he built this friendship based on mutual respect and clear pure enjoyment for the other person and then what ended up getting her is that he was clear about what he felt she said no, and he moved on. And it was him continuing on with his life that made it clear to her that she wanted him. And if he had just kept waiting, I don't think he would have gotten her. She would have been with Roy. So this is where I'm going to get a little cheesy. I appreciate what he says because I think he was so patient because he knew he was waiting for the right person. And I think that love is patient. 
But I think that you can't wait forever because ultimately the waiting isn't what wins people over. It is the recognizing the love. He actually isn't waiting. If we actually think about his activity regarding Pam, Mm -hmm. he's seeking friendship. He might be waiting to kiss her or to like get all romantic, but he isn't waiting to enjoy his life with her. And that is what's so great about when they decide to date is they pick up where they left off, which isn't that far away. They've enjoyed each other this whole time. And maybe that might be why I have such negative experience with people being like, oh, wait, because it's like this negative cloud in between two people versus just being like, oh, no, I'll respect what you said and I'll be your friend. And then if it's really meant to be, we will both know that friends is not where we want to stop with this. Yeah. I'm a big believer in if it, if it's really meant to be, it'll work itself out. And I think a good example of the difference of like Jim, like living his life, per- building this friendship versus someone who's truly just waiting is in this uh, may seem ridiculous. But think about Toby being in love with Pam. Toby, who is like in love with Pam the whole time, he just kind of waits. And he so many times when Pam and Roy are over, there's like a moment where uh, Jim and Pam seem like there might be over. You see Toby get hopeful because he's just been waiting. I think the people you're talking about that are like, I'm going to wait it out are like the Toby. They're expecting that the person be wooed by the wait. Right. Um, And that is not what is meant to happen. No, no one will be wooed by the wait. Pam is not wooed by the wait. She's wooed by the laughs. <laughs> She's wooed by the patience and the friendship and the just like chill ass vibes. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I knew he was my husband when I felt his vibes. <laughs> I've lost it, guys. I've lost it. Oh, we're almost at the end and we're almost going to have to turn on the news. But before oh, we on. do. Okay. So that's that's the relationship during this time. We got to the wedding. It's beautiful. It's famous. We love it. We love his little look to the camera at the end, being like, I got her. During this time, you know, fun run to wedding, their, their courting time, are there any kind of like, well, I have in my notes uh, red flags, but we now know them as pink flags uh, for us. <laughs> pink polka dotted flags. Any reason we would call our girlfriend? Ooh, that's a good one. One thing... I don't like throughout the series, but particularly during this time, is that, and again, this might just be because John Krasinski is so charming, and obviously by this point, the writers were writing for the actors, but Jim is so the romantic hero, and Pam is basically a damsel. Yeah, Jim is the one that finally asks her out. Jim makes the sacrifice while she's an art show. Jim gets the promotion to take care of Pam. Jim buys the house. Jim proposes. Jim's the one who gets the Niagara Falls tickets. It's like they gave Pam this like beach day speech to win Jim over. And then that's fucking it. And then that's it, basically. Part of me is just like annoyed from a writing perspective that they didn't give her more. But also it just uh, it makes me feel like the relationship is not totally even, which, you know, will come to a head next episode when we talk Woo-hoo. about ooh. waters ahead. I think not. I think not. No more glassy waters. <laughs> My pink flag would have been raised if I was her fictional friend. I'd be like, he proposed to you where? Did you guys talk about <laughs> what's going on? You guys even want kids? Absolutely. Which leads nicely into the, the way I, I feel like we should wrap up the episode before we continue to drink do you have any advice for all the fic- the non-fictional jim and pams out here in the world that are you know madly in love writing their honeymoon phase and are like potentially you know considering getting married what what would be your advice for people identifying themselves as like a honeymoon jim and fa- pam couple wow my advice to you would be fuck you i hate you <laughs> right off uh, my advice to you is don't lose sense of those gal pals, whether mm-hmm. whatever gender they may be. Um, still stay close to them. My advice is also to have those moments where you go to the Niagara Falls in the midst of all the annoying mm-hmm. and people in your life. I wouldn't condone what I do, which is full breaks on the honeymoon phase because you're just completely living out of fear. I think that's childish, but I do think it's also childish to go full ahead, all happiness and roses. My advice would be like, maybe spend one week out of the week hanging out with some other people. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, like, obviously, listen, if you're in a honeymoon phase, again, fuck you. But also, like, <laughs> it, I enjoy it. And and if it feels like it's moving quickly, but you feel okay, that's fine. I, I do believe that, you know, Pam and Jim do prove time and time again, there is some element of trusting your gut when things feel right. And I think Jim is particularly good at trusting his gut. However, I do think Pam and Jim were missing a moment to pause the momentum of their love fest and have a moment to have a real conversation about what they want the rest of their life to look like. And we'll talk about this next episode, but I think it's so easy to, to yes. And when it comes to love and to ride the high and forget to have these moments that are harder and to have hard conversations. However, like we as an audience knew the whole from the pilot that Jim never wanted to be a paper salesman his whole life. But Pam seems very happy for nothing to really change in their life. And it doesn't seem like they've communicated about that. And that eventually will cause a very big fission between the two of them. So that would be my advice is take a moment to, to just check in about, you know, some goals and expectations. Yes. Don't be super romantic and lose all sense of reality. Yeah. Sit down and journal together sit down you're rocking the boat sit down you're rocking the boat oh all right well that's all we have this episode (laughs) we're gonna go face the reality but we will be back next week talking about the later seasons of the office jim and pam as parents we'll talk about that girl kathy we'll talk about the whole ninth season on all the drama in the meantime, everyone, um, you can find us on Instagram at Talking Ship Podcast. Let us know your thoughts about Jim and Pam as a couple and whether kind of their timeline would work for you. And tell us we're wrong. Tell us we don't have to be series regulars before we get married. <laughs> or hire us to be series regulars. One or the other. We're fine with either. We will see you next week. Woo-hoo! All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Talking Ship. Thank you to the Believe Podcast Network for helping make this show happen. And everyone, tune in every Thursday as we continue to make our way through the Jim and Pam relationship. It's ups, it's downs, and what we can hopefully all learn from it. And if you had a nice time, we'd love if you could rate and review the podcast. And if you had such a nice time that you want to keep track of what we're up to, you can follow the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast. You can follow the wonderful and hilarious Angela Giratana on Instagram at Giovanna Giratana. Ready? I'll spell it. It's at G-I-O-V-A-N-A-G-I-A-R-R-A-T-A-N-A. And you can follow me at OnlyMegan815. So send us your thoughts on Jim and Pam, on Roy, on Karen, what you loved, what we missed, and what you want us to discuss. So I hope you enjoyed and, you know, remember, never, ever, ever give up. See you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube